want to begin my homily this afternoon by asking you all a question. Religiously speaking, what do Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini, and Joseph Stalin have in common with St. John Paul II, St. Francis of Assisi, and St. Pius X? You might be tempted to say, nothing, Father Ray. That would be incorrect. Believe it or not, religiously speaking, those three scoundrels in the first group share at least one thing in common with the three holy men in the second group, and that's baptism. Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin were all baptized. They were born again of water and the Holy Spirit as infants. They were set free from original sin, they received sanctifying grace into their souls. They became members of God's family, the Church. Of course, in one way or another, as we all know, they repudiated all of that later in life. But that's another story. Their wickedness, their later wickedness, does not negate their baptisms. It doesn't change the fact that they once received the very same graces into their souls that St. John Paul II, St. Francis of Assisi, and St. Pius X received on the days they were baptized. Which brings us, I think, to the obvious question, how is this possible? How is it possible for an Adolf Hitler and a John Paul II to experience God's grace in the same way through baptism and become exact opposites in their earthly lives? Well, to answer that question, you need to make a reference to a distinction in sacramental theology. It's the distinction between a sacrament that's valid and a sacrament that's valid and fruitful. For a sacrament to be valid, you need the proper minister, number one. In baptism, in normal circumstances, that means a bishop, priest, or deacon, although in an emergency, anybody can baptize. You need the proper minister. You need to have the proper matter and form. In baptism, the matter is water. And the form is the Trinitarian formula of prayer. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, the person doing the baptizing has to have the right intention. It means he has to have the intention to do what the church does when she baptizes. If those three prerequisites are satisfied, and the person in question, be it Adolf Hitler or Francis of Assisi, truly receives a valid sacrament. Of course, that's not supposed to be the end of the story. Jesus has given us seven sacraments for a specific purpose so that they will bear fruit, good fruit, in our earthly lives, and thus assist us on our pilgrim journey to heaven. Whether or not that happens depends largely on us. We decide whether the sacrament we receive will be only valid, or valid and fruitful. We do that by either rejecting the grace given to us in the sacrament, or cooperating with it. This, of course, explains the difference between three scoundrels and the three holy men I mentioned a few minutes ago. The three holy men nurtured their baptismal grace, and it bore good fruit in their lives. The three scoundrels did not. Actually, we see this in, illustrated in our midst every Sunday, when we're in church, at least, every Sunday. For example, one man receives the Eucharist at a Sunday Mass, walks right out of church after he receives, swears at people in the parking lot, and yells at his wife and kids when he gets home for no good reason. 
Another man receives communion at the very same Mass, goes back to his pew afterward, sincerely prays that he can put into practice the words he heard in the Gospel and in the homily. Then he goes forth and he puts forth his best effort in that regard. He tries to live his faith. Do both men receive a valid sacrament? Yes. But only one of them allowed that sacrament to bear good fruit in his life. Thought of all this in preparation for this homily because our three scripture readings this weekend deal with, either explicitly or implicitly, the sacraments of baptism and confirmation. In the Gospel text from John 15, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, to be with you always, the Spirit of truth which the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is given to us the first time in baptism. Then we receive another outpouring of the Spirit in confirmation. Today's first reading from Acts chapter 8 was told that the apostles went to Samaria. And there they found some brand new Christians, which was not unusual. Christians were springing up in many different places. But what was unusual about these Christians is they had only been baptized. For some reason, they hadn't received the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit that comes in the Sacrament of Confirmation. So what do the Apostles do? They rectify the situation. They immediately lay hands on these people to confirm them and remedy things. The second reading from 1 Peter 3 fits into all this by giving us an important insight as to why we need this second outpouring of the Spirit. If you ask most young people why they want to receive the Sacrament of Confirmation, they usually tell you one of two things. I've seen this over and over again during my years as a priest. Either they'll say, I want to get confirmed because I want to get married in the Church, which, by the way, is a horrible reason to want to be confirmed. Actually, canon law doesn't say you have to be married, uh, have to be confirmed before you're married in the Church. The canon law says you should be confirmed before you get married in the Church. And I'll warn the teenagers who are listening here, if that's the only reason you're being confirmed, so that you can be married in the church someday, then this sacrament of confirmation will probably not bear much good fruit in your life. The bishop puts the oil on your forehead, you'll receive a valid sacrament for sure, but it, that's about it. It won't bear much fruit in your life. The second reason young people commonly give for wanting to be confirmed is this one. They say, Father, I want to be an adult in the church. To which I always respond, well, what does that mean? If you're over 18 and you're a baptized Catholic, you're an adult in the church, whether you're confirmed or not. The purpose of this second sacramental outpouring of the Holy Spirit in confirmation is witness. That's the word to remember, witness. And that's what Peter is talking about in that second reading we heard a few moments ago. Jesus told his apostles that he would send them the Holy Spirit. Remember what he said? He said to them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Confirmation is given to us to make us strong, bold, loving, committed Catholics who are ready to witness to the Lord, who aren't afraid to be different, who aren't afraid to stand up and be counted. Now you might say, but Father Ray, that's hard. Yeah, 
That's precisely the point. If it weren't hard, we wouldn't need this sacrament. Listen now to what Peter says in that second reading. He says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. In other words, always be ready to give witness to me. But do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be the will of God, than for doing evil. That's the kind of witness we're supposed to give to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, why is this so important? Well, aside from our own salvation being at stake, if we fail to allow our baptism to bear good fruit in our life, we will cause harm to others, even to people we love. Think about those three scoundrels I mentioned at the beginning of my homily. They squandered the grace God gave to them at their baptisms, bore almost no good fruit in their lives, unfortunately, and millions upon millions of people suffered because of it. Six million Jews, a lot of people. You know the history. By the way, the same thing happens today. The same thing is true today of our baptized civil leaders who reject the grace of their baptisms by supporting evils like abortion. Think of that fact relative to the suffering that's going on right now in the world and in our own country. Thankfully, our current president is pro-life, but not all our civil leaders are. How many people have suffered because of that? How many people will suffer because of that? Life, my brothers and sisters, is all about choices. And among the most important choices we make are the ones that concern the sacraments that we receive. Will I or will I not allow my baptism, my confirmation, and the Holy Eucharist to bear good fruit in my life? Will these sacraments be only valid for me, or will they be valid and fruitful? Dear Lord, may we always choose that second option in our daily lives. Amen.